0: Jason that the NBA was getting more and more popular speaking of popularity and growing the sport but it doesn't feel like that's been the case this year which is one of the questions I have for our guy Steve Cerruti from Scow and Pals which is every day 11 to 1 here on radio.com sports we had the NBA trade deadline yesterday so, there's much to discuss there. You can check him out on Twitter at Saruti. At one point, I saw Scal got traded yesterday, but it was a different Scal. It was Scal, <laughs> like, like, past LaBissier. the Lavassier. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, but Saruti, let's, Saruti, Steve, let's get into this first, Saruti. Before we get into the trade deadline stuff, because we're talking a lot of NFL and growing the game in London and XFL stuff. What is the popularity of the NBA right now, midway through this season? I've seen some rating stuff. Some people think that that is indicative of the NBA going down. Others say it's not. Give us your take on the sort of the state of the NBA popularity this season so far.
2: Yeah, well, first off, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. I will say that, I, you know, Ratings being down this year has been something that I think the NBA is definitely worried about. But I'm not going to sit here and overreact to it. Listen, what have we done the last couple of years? We've complained and complained and complained about how it's only been the Warriors. It's been a super team league. It's not competitive. Well, this year... We have at least three teams that are capable of winning the title, all with incredibly interesting stories. You've got LeBron, who I still believe is the best player in the league, who is playing for the most storied franchise in the league in the Lakers. You've got Kawhi Leonard across town in the same building, really, who is coming off of a championship as well as the other contender. And then you have maybe the most likable superstar in the entire league in Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is playing for a team that's probably going to win 70 games and is, you know... uh, Again, I said the most likable player in the league and one of the guys that's probably going to be the future of this league. I think the ratings is an issue, but I don't know how worried I would be about it going forward. I'll tell you why, guys, because, you know, we had several games, I think 20 or so games, at least national games this year, where you had a Warriors team that was being showcased in national games without Stephen Clay who's going to watch them? They're the worst team in the league really record-wise. And then you had another bunch of games with the Pelicans and no Zion Williamson. And look at what happened when Zion came back. It was the second highest rated game in the history, regular season game in the history of ESPN broadcasting NBA games. So clearly there's an appetite for him. He's only going to get better. The Pelicans are only going to get better. So while I think right now there is some worry about it, and yes, the regular season may be a little bit diminished because, let's be honest, we're all just sort of looking forward, forward to the playoffs this year where we do have what looks to be a very competitive both race for the East and Western Conference title. I think the future is still very bright for this team. you have also got Luka Doncic. This game is global the two future stars in this league. Luka Doncic and Giannis Antetokounmpo are both European players, so you're bringing in more of a global brand. I'm not terribly worried about the interest level in the game. And I'll say this transactionally. We just had the trade deadline yesterday. The NBA does the trade deadline better than any other sport. And they do the offseason better than any other sport. So while I do believe there are issues with the regular season, guys, I'm not worried about the overall interest level of the NBA. All right. There's a couple things I agree with. And there's one thing I disagree with that the NBA
1: does the offseason better than any other sport. I think football does because there's the rigidity of their calendar with the league year and free agency and then the draft and all that. Um, The NBA free agency seems oftentimes there's a couple of big names that change teams. Now, last year's offseason was crazy with LeBron going, Kawhi, Kevin Durant going to the Nets and everything that went down. But that being said, and the NBA is predicated and, and kind of sold on its star players more than any other league. And there are a lot of guys that are hurt right now. But, Steve, what do you do when you talk about the state of the NBA? You know, you have load management. So many stars sit out games and they sit them out on the road. When when a team like Orlando for you or yeah, Atlanta <laughs> is, is you know, they're they come to see LeBron James or they came to see Tim Duncan in his day or they come to see James Harden or they come to see Russell Westbrook. And then they come to find out that this game that they circled on their calendar that they're going to spend their money to go see. And that star player is not playing. I mean, what what can the NBA do about that problem? And also the regular season. Is, doesn't mean that much in the NBA because you get to the playoffs and you have the haves and you have the have-nots and you know the teams that are probably going to get to the conference final. So what so, can you do to enhance that regular season?
2: Yeah, so I, I, there. Unfortunately, I don't know if there is a real fix for it. And this, to me, guys, is the is like the Jordanification or the Jordan effect of 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 the of the sport. Is that? we only care about titles right and we it, it, to some extent that is the it's definitely not that way in baseball it's kind of that way for quarterbacks in the NFL but it's definitely that way for every star in the NBA it, we we have basically told these guys that hey we don't care about your regular season stats. We don't care about how many regular season MVPs look at Jordan six titles. That's the only thing that matters. If you fall short of that, you are a failure. So we have, we sort of have to, uh, to blame ourselves in that for sure. And the players are listening to what we're saying. I don't know if there's a fix necessarily. I mean, the NBA has certainly talked about doing a mid-season tournament. I'm a big European soccer fan. I like the mid-season FA Cup in the Premier League or, uh, you know, the Coppa Italia in Italy. Um, now, you could argue about how seriously some of the major teams take those things. And I would certainly argue that I don't know that the Lakers, the Clippers or some of the other top, the upper echelon teams, in the NBA would care about a midseason tournament when their real goal is to win the NBA championship. But I do think if you implement if you implemented something like that, it would certainly help, you know, the Miami Heats of the world, the Boston Celtics of the world, the Denver Nuggets of the world, the teams that are maybe just below the top tier contenders. Maybe they can have something different to play for because with their Guys, We know they're probably not winning the title this year, and that's fine. But they could at least still have something to win in their season. So I do think that makes it interesting. The NBA has also talked about Adam Silver wants to potentially add a play in game for the last two playoff spots in each conference. I was initially skeptical on that. I think I, but I've come kind of come around and I think it's a good idea. So theoretically, you would have, you know the the team that would finish in the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference, right? The Eastern Conference is terrible this year, so it's probably not a great example. But the seventh seed would play the uh, you know, the tenth seed in a single elimination sort of tournament and the 8 seed would play the 9 seed and the two teams that basically win those games would make the playoffs so that I guess extends and makes the back end of the of the of the standings a little bit more interesting it keeps more teams in it it potentially keeps teams uh, teams from tanking now i don't think I've never been a, an anti-tanking guy. It just doesn't bother me that much, guys. It didn't bother me what the Sixers did. Look what they're at now. They ended up with Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons. You could argue about their fifth, but they ended up with two-star players. So I, I think there are there are ways to fix the regular season. They're never going to eliminate the number of regular season games because of the revenue. And I, I, I understand why they would do that. Um, but I do think at, adding and making some like little midseason tweaks like that to a tournament could be something that my fans might be interested in, and we'll, we'll remain to see whether the players and the teams are interested in it. But it is something that I think will be cool going forward that teams can at least hang their hat on and say, hey, we have something else to play for besides just June when the finals are going on. Can we keep sorority for an extra half hour? Um, real quick, two things. The midseason tournament,
1: like, I love the idea of that, and it's a European model. But half these players don't even play
2: all 82 regular season games because they don't give a shit about anything but, but winning but an NBA title. But you're wrong there, though. I'll say this: I think the load management thing is actually pretty overblown. And I was someone who months ago, when Kawhi Leonard's sitting out, we didn't know what his deal was. Like I was mad. I'm sitting there going, "Hey, one of the biggest games of the year, Kawhi Leonard is going to sit out at home against the Milwaukee Bucks in one of the dozen games that are that that you circle on your calendar. He's all of a sudden just going to sit out." But it actually hasn't been as bad as you think, guys. I mean, like, look at this. Giannis, who's going to win the runaway MVP again, doesn't believe in load management. Uh, Granted, his minutes are down because he doesn't need to play a ton of minutes because they just blow everyone out every night. So maybe that's part of it. LeBron is playing night in and night out. Anthony Davis is playing night in and night out. James Harden's playing night in and night out. Damian Lillard, Trey Young, uh, Luka Doncic has been hurt, but he's playing games. Like, I actually don't think that this load management thing is actually that big of an issue. It's really only... Kawhi leonard and the clippers and it's because we don't know what the hell's going on with Kawhi's knee or his hamstring or whatever's going on there we, we don't really have enough information on it so i actually don't think the load management thing is as big of a deal as people made it out to be at least this year alone last year it was a little bit more of a problem but i think maybe some of these guys have sort of heard the the cries and the and the, and the complaints from fans and have changed it around because really it hasn't been like a it hasn't plagued the league like i think most people think it has the thing for me
1: Surdy, is this is when you talk about you didn't have a problem with tanking. Now, I live in Philadelphia. I have a young son. and say, But just say five, six years ago, my son was in eighth grade. And the Sixers tanked for four years. So he would have gone through his high school life without MB- competitive NBA in a city like Philadelphia. And not only – look, your team may suck, and that's, that happens in sports. And you can be the Cleveland Browns and just you know blow in perpetuity. But the Sixers were doing it on purpose. They were spitting in the integrity yes. of the game, losing on purpose, and then not playing players that they drafted for an entire year. The fact that Ben Simmons didn't play his rookie year for the entire season was a flat-out disgrace, right? So how can the league regain its integrity when so many teams are going with that mentality? Like, I'm going to suck so I can get an Embiid beaten the Simmons, and now, which, by the way, they end up as a sixth seed right now. They can't win on the road. They just lost four straight. They're horrible. Like, where's the upside in that? You're going to take the sport away from a a good basketball market like Philadelphia to gain a couple of superstars. By the way, they missed more than they got with Okafor and all these other guys. And that's the NBA because of the one and done rule. There's so much broken here. I don't even know where to
2: start and where to continue. I, I, I can't like if you're gonna say, Hey, you know, think of the children, I don't have a I don't have a rebuttal for that. I understand like that sucks and I'm sure growing the up kids, in are Yeah, think of the children. But I, I don't Again, like you wouldn't be in this. And granted, this has been a disastrous year for them. I'm still not going to write them off because I think they have maybe the most talented starting five in the league. And I, while I don't trust Embiid and Simmons, I'm never going to write them off in the Eastern Conference. I don't think they're at Milwaukee's level, but that's a whole different discussion. But they wouldn't be in this situation if it wasn't for them tanking, though, right? So it's like a chicken or the egg situation. Like they had Drew Holiday. They were going nowhere. And Drew Holiday is a nice player, but you're not winning championships with Drew Holiday. And because of what they did, and because of them being terrible for three, four years, or five years, however, however many years it was, they are now in a position where they're going to be contenders, probably for at, for for they're going to have a window at least for a decade where they might not win titles, but they're certainly better off than they were when they were just a middle, you know, a middle of the road NBA team. Like the problem with the NBA, this is the main problem with the league. And in my my Orlando Magic are are probably the perfect test case for this situation. Being in the middle is the worst possible place you can be. You either want to be terrible or you want to be great. If you're in the middle, you get stuck there. And the Sixers, five, six, seven years ago, were stuck there. And they made a decision to tank, and that's one way to go about it. Another way to go about it is to do what Memphis, what the Memphis Grizzlies have done, which is, you know, hit on one draft pick, make a bunch of smart moves, take some bad contracts on, get assets, and then you're, you know, you could potentially be a playoff team overnight. There's more than one way to skin a cat. I don't think that they're, like, for, for example, this year. There really aren't that many teams that are tanking. I mean, look at the Atlanta Hawks; were one of the worst teams in the league, and they were buyers at the trade deadline. They added two starting caliber centers. I mean, you know, Cleveland's bad. I don't think they're necessarily tanking. They're just sort of in a rebuild. You can say that the Knicks are bad. I don't think they meant to tank, and I don't think they necessarily are tanking. Golden State's probably tanking, but it's again, it's a, it's an, it's a, it's a, uh, it's almost an outlier because all of their players, all their best players, are hurt. So I don't actually think it's some epidemic this year. Certainly, it's going to happen in, in years to come. But I do think what you look at is teams like the Orlando Magic or you know who was it like look at the Minnesota Timberwolves they ended up getting two number 1 overall picks right in Wiggins and and karl Towns and it didn't work out for them. So I think there are teams that are looking at it and going, "Hey, while this does give us more crack, you know, more more pieces of the pie or more or more whatever the phrase is, like, it, it it still isn't a perfect system. We could still fail here." So I don't think you're ever going to be able to get rid of that and maybe adding some of those at the end, you know, the, what I was talking about the play-in games for the playoffs, which I think is a good idea, helps solve part of that problem. But again, if your son who's a Sixers fan, like he, he now is able to root for a good team because of what they did uh, with Sam Hinkie all those years ago.
0: So, Cerruti, let's get to the trade deadline, which was yesterday. You said the NBA does the trade deadline better than anybody. So if 10 means it was a freaking unbelievable trade deadline and zero means it was dead, where was this year's trade deadline on a scale of zero to 10 and why? I
2: would give it, I mean, we we had D'Angelo Russell, so that's a bi- that's a pretty big name. And Andrew Wiggins went back, and for a lot of people, I mean, he's been a massive disappointment, but at least if he's a former number one overall pick. I'd give it a solid seven because, listen, the Lakers didn't make a move, so there you go, but they'll be active in the buyout market. Um, and the Clippers ended up adding Marcus Morris. I actually don't love that as much as I think some people do. The Miami Heat added Iguodala. I didn't love that as well. But I do think that, you know, the upper echelon teams are still who they are. It's Milwaukee and it's the two L.A. teams. But I do think behind them, there are, there, you know, Miami has certainly made it interesting in the Eastern Conference, and D'Angelo Russell being traded did surprise me. Now, Rick Bucher on the show predicted it yesterday, so kudos to him. He predicted both he and Andre Drummond would be traded. I look at Andre Drummond as a, I just don't know if you can win with him. He's a big name again, but I'm not sure he's that big of a deal when it comes to wins and losses. But the D'Angelo Russell trade for me was worth it, and that's why I gave it a seven alone because you've got Karl Anthony Towns, who's absolutely miserable in Minnesota, who has no one to play with. And granted, it's—he it, so he's he shares some of the blame in this as well because he plays absolutely no defense, but they end up making this blockbuster trade with a, with a, obviously a well known team in the Warriors, and they send Andrew Wiggins to the Bay who I actually am kind of intrigued by because he now he doesn't have to be a, the focal point of, of an offense anymore. He doesn't have to be the second-best player on a team. He could be the third, fourth, fifth-best player on a Warriors team that still has championship aspirations at least going forward in the years to come. Maybe not, obviously not this year, but next year and the next couple of years. So because De'Angelo Russell got moved and he's a massive name, he's a former All-Star, former number 2 overall pick, I'd give it a solid 7. I would have liked to have seen some of the teams like the Nuggets and the Celtics and I, I and the Sixers even, and we were just talking about them. I would have liked to have seen those teams maybe make a bigger move to go for it, but I don't know if the deals were out there. So while there have been more exciting trade deadlines, I think a solid seven is 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 fair. And by the way, I want I want to bring this up because we were you were talking about why you think the NFL does free agency better. I I don't I mean. Name the, who's the la like, when Kirk Cousins is your best, he's the only, I mean, Kirk Cousins was like the biggest free agent in the last however many years. And Kirk Cousins is what, an average quarterback at best? In the NBA, you've got all the best players moving like almost every other year. So I actually disagree. I think the NBA clearly, far and away, does free agency better than the NFL. Well,
1: it, it, you're right. It's the star players in the NBA that move, but there's no loyalty into it. You know, in That's the, fair. In the NFL, if you, if you have a star player, like a quarterback, like an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson or whoever, they're not getting a free agency. The teams just don't allow it, and the, and the rules are set up that way. Uh, let me ask you this, Rudy, because uh, I, I look at the NBA, and you're right. Like There were some names that moved. I don't know that anybody improved astronomically to all of a sudden make them a pseudo-contender, um, but you, you mentioned the buyout market. That's where teams can add some really important pieces. Who are some guys that could get bought out, and where could they end up to help teams, some shooters out there to help some teams that need shooting, some three-point shooting, those kind of things?
2: Well, there's two guys, there's two names, and one of them isn't even on a roster right now, and that's Darren Collison. He was spotted at the, he was at the Lakers game last night sitting next to Jeannie Bus. so it seems like that thing is already done and dusted whenever he's, uh, he wants to basically show up and put on a uniform. Uh, for those that don't know, Darren Collison was a, a solid level point guard in the NBA for a while. Um, he ended up, like, kind of abruptly retiring. Uh, This offseason when he he passed up probably at least a 10 million dollar contract or so looks like he's going to sign with the Lakers and they do need that because I Rondo for them has been bad this year. They need another guard. They need another potential off the bench scoring type point guard who when LeBron isn't playing or can play off the ball. So he's a guy that I would look to see end up in L.A. And that's why I kind of don't think that they ended up trading Kyle Kuzma. Not, not that I love Kyle Kuzma, but I'm not sure that there's a deal out there for the Lakers to be made to be worth giving up on, you know, a, a young sort of wing the way that he is for them, even though I don't. I still have questions about whether or not he can be the third best player on on their championship team. But so look for Darren Collison to be a Laker. And then the other one, I don't know if you guys saw last night, but the Houston Rockets, their starting lineup was, consisted of six foot three, Russell Westbrook, six foot four, Eric Gordon, six foot five, James Harden, six foot five, P.J. Tucker and six foot seven. Uh, uh, a Covington, and they literally didn't even have a power forward or a center on their on their starting lineup and they end up going out and beating the Lakers. Now, I don't think they're going to be able to do that night in and night out. I do kind of respect the fact that they're just saying you know, F it, like we're going to go. Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Morey are thinking, hey, we're going to shoot a bunch of threes. This is the way we believe basketball should be played, so let's go out and do it. I do think that they're not going to be able to do that night in and night out, especially come the playoff time. So that's why I think Tristan Thompson's a guy who's playing for the Cavs right now. Uh, I don't know. It, it seems like he's not going to be bought out. I kind of hope he does. The reason he wouldn't be bought bought out is because he wants to essentially have his bird rights to be able to make more money when he hits free agency, and he'll be a free agent this summer. But if he was able to get bought out, I look at him going to the Rockets as a potential great fit because he can play defense, he's a lob threat, he can switch on defense, he's kind of everything that they need, and their tallest guy right now is six foot seven. So look for. I think those are probably the two main guys on the market. There could be a, a couple of small end guys. Um, uh, out there as well. But I don't think anything that'll really tip the scales. Like for, for your Sixers, for example, you know they had Alec Burks and they had uh, 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 Robinson third. I don't think either of those guys are moving the needle too, too much. But there's really not much they can do and there's really not much in the buyout market for them either.
0: His name is Steve Cerruti. As you can tell, he knows his NBA. At Cerruti on Twitter, that's C-E-R-U-T-I. You got to check out Scal and Pals. Every day, Monday through Friday, radio.com, sports on the app or radio.com slash Scal. He got traded yesterday. What other show (laughs) has a guy that literally got traded yesterday? I saw an NBA headline, Scal, something gets traded. That's all I needed to know. Scal got traded. Thanks to Rudy.
2: Thank you. You want to hear a great story, too. We were actually supposed to have Isaiah Thomas on the show today, and he got traded yesterday. So that's uh, we unfortunately are not We're going to have to reschedule oh. with Isaiah. He got traded to the Clippers. So uh, the trade deadline did affect our show in more ways than one.
0: You know what? As long as the plane has Wi-Fi, he can do it on Skype <laughs> hey. from midair flying out to L.A. Thanks, that's true. Dude.
2: Thanks, guys. Anytime. Take it easy.